And now, here they are, the Beatles! Hi, I'm Justin Shears, and welcome to Only a Northern Song. In this series, I'll be exploring the words and the music of the Beatles, but not through the usual tracks that we all know so well. I'll be delving into my extensive collection of outtakes, home recordings and demos, alternate mixes and interviews, to shed some new light on lesser-known aspects of the Beatles' recorded legacy. As 1964 dawned, it appeared that the Beatles had done it all. Well, almost. With their flying visit to America and appearances on the Ed Sullivan Show book for February, the focus of our last episode, the Beatles had been contracted to United Artists to make three films. Like Elvis Presley before them, and more recently in the UK, pop idol Cliff Richard, it was felt that appearing on the big screen was the next logical career move. Not only would thousands go to the movie itself, they would also need to buy the soundtrack album. Contractually, the Beatles also needed to produce another two albums and several singles and EPs in 1964, as well as keep up with touring and broadcasting commitments. Finding time to write and record an album, let alone make the movie itself, would appear to be nigh on impossible. Before heading to America for the first time, the Beatles were booked for a short tour of France. It was in Paris, in between concerts, that recording began for three new singles two of which would only be released in Germany. George Martin had been convinced by EMI in Germany that record sales there would really only increase if the band recorded German language versions of their songs. Having some German up their sleeves from their time in Hamburg, the Beatles felt they were up to the task. On the 29th of January 1964, the Beatles set up in EMI's Pathé Marconi Studios in Paris and got to work. Come give me a diner hand, or I want to hold your hand, and she liebt dich, she loves you, were committed to tape, ready for swift release in Germany on the 6th of March 1964. The Beatles needed a new single for the rest of the world, which meant inclusion on the new album and possibly the new film, as yet untitled. Like clockwork, John and Paul had two new songs ready to go. Money can buy me love. Ah, 
The money just can't buy Cause I don't care too much for money Money can't buy me love Two takes of Can't Buy Me Love. Take two featuring some bluesy backing vocals by John and George, which were dropped in the next take, and take three recorded in a lower key to make it easier to sing. While take four formed the basic track of the master version, the vocals and George's guitar solo would be improved back in London four weeks later. Unsurprisingly, this track would head straight to number one and form an integral part of the movie filmed later in the year. Of course, every single needs a B-side, and the Beatles' next offering wouldn't disappoint. Three days after arriving back in London from their highly successful trip to the US, the Beatles were back in Studio 2 at Abbey Road on the morning of the 25th of February, ready to record. The first task was to complete Can't Buy Me Love, and then the Beatles' attention turned to a brand new song. Okay, ready? Paul, the running. A one, two, three, four.
take six of You Can't Do That, somewhat of an oddity amongst the Beatles' catalogue, as it is one of the few tracks to feature a guitar solo from John. Take eight would prove to be the best track, and with an additional lead vocal from John, backing vocals from Paul and George, as well as bongos and a cowbell, the song, and both sides of the single, were now complete. The afternoon session saw the debut of a song that would become one of Paul's most loved and respected compositions. Take two of And I Love Her, a much heavier rendition than would be later attempted. With John on acoustic guitar and George on his 12-string Rickenbacker, the sound that would define the album and George's playing for the rest of the year, the Beatles only made it as far as Take Two before deciding to shelve the song for the time being. Breathe after I've done that mouth organ bit. Can we skip the mouth organ? And when I whisper, <laughs> I couldn't hear what chords we were going. Did he go to the middle? Uh, I just got take twelve. Bit less of George. I feel as I'm singing in a sock. From the 26th of February, fragments of the Beatles recording I Should Have Known Better. As can be heard from these outtakes, John had difficulties in playing his harmonica part while also trying to record his lead vocal. So the decision was made to record the basic track without harmonica. Take 21 would be deemed best and would be treated to overdubs of vocals, John's harmonica and George's lead guitar in this single session. 
the song was now ready for mixing. When I ask you to be mine, you're gonna say you love me too. The evening session saw the Beatles return to the song attempted the previous day, this time with a completely different acoustic feel. Hang on, John's just broken a string. And if you saw my love, I'd love her. Session fragments and the master version of one of Paul McCartney's most acclaimed songs, And I Love Her. Acoustic guitars, bass and bongos instead of drums made this a standout track on the album and was treated to a sympathetic scene in the film. The following day would see two new songs introduced into the studio with two very different feels. I'm giving up the business. Come on, George. Come on, we're doing it. We're on. George is tuned up. I've just... George is tuning up. Two. One, two, three, four. Hey, 
again. What did hey, you do then? You made a mistake. I know you did. Tell me why you cried and why you lied to me. Outtakes from the 27th of February session for Tell Me Why, plus the completed track, comprising of take seven with piano and vocal overdubs for completeness. Attention then turned to a new tune brought to the studio by John, who had written it at home in London in January, before heading to France and America. If I fell in love with you, would you promise to be true and help me? Understand, cause I've been in love before, and I found that love was more than just holding hands. If I give my heart to you, I must be sure from the a rare composing tape in which John writes his next contribution to the album. The Beatles gave the song the gentle arrangement that it deserved, with take 14 being marked as best and ready for overdubs of more vocals and 12-string guitar from George. Listen out for Paul not quite hitting his harmony in the second bridge. Perhaps you've got a favourite song from the film, have you? Well, my favourite song uh, really is one called If I Fell. So we'll listen to that one for a while. Yeah, let's do it. Take four. Would you promise to be true John. and help me John. If I fell in love with you, would you promise to be true and help me on 
understand Cause I've been in love before And I found that love was more Than just holding hands If I give my heart to you I must be sure from the very start That you would love me more than her If I trust in you Oh please Don't run and hide If I love you too Oh please Don't hurt my pride like her Cause I couldn't stand the pain And I would be sad if I knew love was in vain So I hope you see that I would love to love you And that she will cry when she learns we are two Cause I couldn't stand the pain And I would be sad if our new love was in vain So I hope you see that I would love to love you She learns we are two If I fell in love with you Before this dance is through I think I love you too I'm so happy when you dance with me a Hard Day's Night would become an album of firsts and onlys. The album for their first film, the first Beatles album to feature all original songs, the only Beatles album to be completely composed by John Lennon and Paul McCartney. In a three-hour session on the 1st of March 1964, an evening in which the Beatles recorded two other tracks for later EP releases, I Call Your Name, an original song, and Paul's cover of Little Richard's Long Tall Sally, George's only lead vocal contribution to the album was also recorded. John and Paul had written I'm Happy Just to Dance With You specifically for George. Little did he know that neither John or Paul would have wanted to sing it themselves, and that if George had turned it down, it probably would have been donated to another Liverpool act such as Tommy Quickly or Scylla Black. Only four takes of the backing track were needed, before a second lead vocal and some particularly strident backing harmonies were overdubbed. In just a handful of sessions, the Beatles had started and finished a total of 11 new tracks, seven of which would end up in the movie. Two singles and half an EP were also in the can, and for the rest of March and the first two weeks of April, the Beatles devoted themselves to television and radio appearances and the first round of filming for the new Beatles movie, which still didn't have a title. The lads here discuss some of the suggestions, the rigours of working to an actor's schedule, and give some clues about what goes on in the movie. Oh, 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 
I mean, that name for a start being played out. No, well, we didn't like that for a start. I mean, it's got nothing to do with Beatlemania anyway. I hate that title. Actually, we've had some suggestions for titles. Oh, really, you know, they've been the worst titles out, actually. What's the suggestions? Uh, On the Move was one. God, I hate that. And uh, Let's Go. Oh. No, there's definitely not going to be anything about Beatles in the title. It's just too corny for words. We all want it to be called What Little Old Man. I wanted it to be called a film. It doesn't mean anything. I thought of Ben-Hur, only H-A-I-R. Only I don't think people will agree with that. Anyway, uh, we have to try and work out something that we all like. Well, I, you know, I sort of listen to interviews on the radio with film stars and things. And uh, I, when they used to say, uh, of course, filming, we have to get up at six o'clock in the morning and half six and things, I used to think, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's easy, really, because they sort of, you know, they have such a glamorous life and it's, it's all nice anyway, you know, it doesn't matter. But God, when you come to do it, it's murder. You know, people really do get up at six in the morning. I thought there was only cocky watchmen and things like that. You're hanging about just for hours. I've never hung about so much in my life, you know. Except for when I had nothing to do, you know, when we couldn't get work. But there's just, you know, you hang... I like the the so-called acting bitch, but the hanging around's a drag, because you're under the lights even when you're hanging around most of the time. I'm losing track of the story. I knew before we started, but we do it all back to front, you know, and I don't know which... It's just one, one and a half days in our life, and all these soft things happen. I, I, I can't remember. We were on a train for a week, so we must have been going somewhere. There's a story to it, you know, it's about us, uh, two days of our lives, where we get on a train and go to a studio, TV studios, and we do a show, and then when we go away, and all, everything that happens in between, I don't think um, quite so much could happen in real life as it does on this. But By mid-April, a title had been decided, and it came about quite by accident. Did you think of the title of A Hard Day's Night? Yes. How did you do it? I don't know. It just came out. I was, we went to do a job, you know, and we worked all day, and we happened to work all night, and I came out still thinking it was day, I suppose, and said, it's been a hard day. Looked around, it was dark, and said night. And so we came to A Hard Day's Night. Tell me this, Paul. When you sit down to write a song, you have a title. It's going to be in a picture. Where do you get the inspiration from? How do you come up with a song for A Hard Day's Night? Well, that sort of thing, uh, not, not normally the way we work, because John and I normally sit down and if we think of something, then we'll write a song around it. But we, we don't normally write to order like that. But the uh, producer of the film, Walter Shenson, who, who's a great fella, all Americans, these good fellas, <laughs> he really is, anyway, came up to John and I and he asked us if we'd do this uh, song, especially for the uh, opening and the closing credits, you know. So um, yeah, we just thought about it and, and thought... It seems a bit ridiculous writing a song called Hard Days Now because it sounded funny at the time. But after a bit, you know, we got the idea of saying that it had been a hard day's night and we've been working all the day, sort of thing. Get back to a girl and everything's fine, you know. And we sort of turned it into one of those songs. Hope you like the result anyway. Sure sounds good to us. How do you think it stacks up with the rest of your records so far, George? Yeah, well, I, you know, as soon as we recorded it, I wanted it to be our new single. And uh, I didn't want it just to be put away on an LP, because I think more people hear it if it is on a single. And I, you know, I'm very happy with it. Okay. One, two, three, four. <laughs> 
you're playing this boy. One, two, three, four. <laughs> I missed the beat. One, two, three, four. It's been a hard day's night, and I've been working like a dog. It's been a hard day's night. I should be sleeping like a log. But when I get home to you, I find the things that you do. You make me feel all right. You know I work all day to get your money to buy a thing, and it's worth it just to hear. takes two to four of the new title song for the film, written to order by John and Paul only days before its recording on the 16th of April 1964, and one of the few Lennon-McCartney songs where it was crystal clear as to who wrote what. The bulk of the song was clearly John's work, and the bridge is classic McCartney. Their preferred take was take nine, onto which more vocals, conga drums and a cowbell were overdubbed. No great effort went into the recording of a live guitar solo, as the Beatles and George Martin had other ideas. George's solo would be added in the middle, with George Martin playing the same riff on piano. The problem was that what they wanted to play would be far too quick to get right in unison, so a little bit of studio trickery was needed. The solo was recorded with the tape running at half speed, thus dropping the pitch to exactly one octave lower. The two Georges played their solos slower, and an octave lower themselves.
and with the tape played back at full speed, The remainder of April was devoted to completing filming for the new movie, as well as a television special. A flying visit to Scotland marked the end of an incredibly hectic schedule and the beginning of a well-earned holiday for most of May. But once the first day of June rolled around, the Beatles headed back into studio tour at Abbey Road to complete the album and the four-song EP largely made up of covers. Ringo earned a vocal spot on Carl Perkins's Matchbox, and John got his on Larry Williams's Slow Down. These were added to the 1st of March recordings of I Call Your Name and Long Tall Sally, the latter giving the soon-to-be number one EP its title. I got every reason on earth to be mad With five songs still needed to fill the new album, the Beatles spent just two days laying them down, all of which would round out the second side of the album. While I'll Cry Instead didn't make it into the finished movie per se, it was used as a mini-trailer to the movie, a taster for teenage cinema audiences of what was to follow. For a relatively simple composition, the recording proved quite complex, with the song being recorded in two entirely separate parts to be edited together later in the mixing stage, possibly to enable later editing to fit the movie visuals. The last of the four songs recorded on the 1st of June was destined to close the B-side of the new LP. I'll Be Back was another partnership composition, but with distinct Lennon and McCartney parts. Like And I Love Her, the session tapes revealed that this was another song to undergo a massive transformation, not only in feel, but even its time signature. One, two, three, one, two, you know. If you break my heart, I'll go. But I'll be back again. Cause I told you once before goodbye. But I This time I will try to show that I'm not trying to pretend Cause I don't 
hard to sing, that I rather want me to, and you're loving. On a, when I start going L.O. about eight times. I just won't sing that bit. One, two, three. You know, if you break my heart, I'll go. But I'll be back again. Cause I told you once before goodbye. But I came back again. Switching from a 3-4 waltz to a straighter 4 beats in the bar was the first transformation and got the song closer to where the Beatles wanted it. But again, as with And I Love Her weeks earlier, it was felt that the instrumentation needed to soften. Rhythm and Blues Part 9. One, two. You know. Paul forgot to say 13. George God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I was just watching George and I thought, it must be all right. One, two. You know. 14. One, two. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. 15. It's falling over there. What happened? It's every time you jump like that. It is. You make a bit of wind on it. If you break my heart, I'll go But I'll be back again Cause I told you once before goodbye But I came back again I love you so I'm the one who wants you Yes, I'm the one who wants you Find better things to do Than to break my heart again This time I will try to show that I'm Not trying to pretend I thought 
that you would realize That if I ran away from you That you would want me to That I got a big surprise Oh, 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 oh You could find better things to do Than to break my heart again This time I will try to show that I'm not trying to pretend I wanna go But I hate to leave you You know I hate to leave you Oh, 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 you If you break my heart I'll go Again. Take 16 of I'll Be Back was treated to vocal and piano overdubs before being declared complete and ready for mixing later that evening. The following day was set aside to complete the album, now with just three vacancies to fill. The morning session was devoted to John's positive and uplifting any time at all. Take 7 was the preferred take, with subsequent overdubs of Ringo's startling snare shots throughout, which would signal not only the opening of the song, but also the second side of the LP. Additional vocals and John's piano break again unusual for this period where George Martin was normally enlisted for piano duties, were recorded the following day to make the song complete. The next song on the list would eventually become the B-side to A Hard Day's Night, when it was released as a single ahead of the movie release. Paul explains. During your holidays recently, you wrote some songs, Paul, on your side, and John, he wrote some on mm. his side, no? Yes. Um, the, John wrote some, uh, which when he got back to England, I finished off with him. He sort of half wrote them. And then when, I got, when we both got back, you know, we talked about them and finished them off. And a lot of those are either in the film or on the film LP. On the other side of the LP. Yeah, that's right, on the, on the second side of the LP. Uh, one of them, which, which we did, we did on holiday and finished off when we got back, was the B-side of Hard Day's Night, which is Things We Said Today. And that is the side you wanted yourself as the A-side, no? Well, you know, <clears throat> it was... Um, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I think we agreed, really, with George Martin that, that Hard Day's Night was a faster and... Um, really, I think, a better record. But it was just that we had a soft spot for things we said today. Yeah, because it was a di- bit different at the same time. Yeah, it was it was a little bit more like folk music, and, you know, we all like folk music. But uh, still, I think George Martin was right, because it was a much better song, and it was the title of the film in England. You say you will love me If I have to go You'll be thinking of me Somehow I will know Someday when I'm lonely Wishing you weren't so far away 
Then I will remember Things we said today You say you'll be mine, girl Till the end of time These days such a kind girl Seems so hard to find Someday when we're dreaming Deep in love, not a lot to say Then we will remember Things we said today Me, I'm just the lucky kind Love to hear you say that love is love And though we may be blind Love is here to stay And that's enough to make you mine Girl, be the only one Love me all the time Girl, we'll go on and on Someday when we're dreaming Deep in love, not a lot to say Then we will remember Things we said today Me, I'm just the lucky kind Love to hear you say that love is love And though we may be blind Love is here to stay And that's enough to make you mine Girl, be the only one Love me all the time, girl We'll go on and on Someday when we're dreaming Deep in love, not a lot to say Then we will remember Things we said today Things We Said Today, a narrative song from Paul, the genre that he would draw upon heavily for the rest of his career, with he and his love looking forward to a time when they will remember the present. Only two takes were needed to perfect the backing track, and overdubs of piano and guitar would be added on the 3rd of June. Rounding out this session and completing the album was When I Get Home, a straightforward rocker mastered in just 11 takes. Ringo would not be present for the final overdub session of the 3rd of June, as he was in hospital having his tonsils removed. At the risk of disappointing hundreds of thousands of fans, the Beatles had to make an almost impossible decision to postpone their upcoming tour of Denmark, the Netherlands, Hong Kong, Australia and New Zealand and wait for Ringo to be well enough to travel and play, or go ahead with the tour with the replacement drummer. Despite George being in favour of waiting for Ringo to go with them, the decision was made to go ahead with the tour and have Ringo join them when he was fit. The only problem was, who would play the drums? As the Beatles gathered in Studio 2 on the 3rd of June to finalise the LP, a young London drummer named Jimmy Nickel was invited to audition for Ringo's spot behind the kit.
Jimmy Nickel was successful and was hired to stand in for Ringo on the first leg of the tour, with Ringo expected to join the band again in Australia. Nickel hung around in Studio 2 for about an hour of this session to rehearse the live set with the rest of the band. Once the Beatles had finished the final overdubs, they committed a couple of demos to tape, including a new George Harrison composition. When I see you, I just don't know what to say demo of You Know What To Do by the Fab Three, George on guitar, Paul on bass and John on tambourines. Much to George's disappointment, the song was never taken any further and remained in the EMI vaults for decades. The band also demoed a song that would emerge on their fourth studio album, albeit with a very different arrangement. With Ringo in hospital recovering from surgery and three instruments being played, guitar, bass and drums, there is some question as to who was playing Ringo's part. Paul McCartney was a very competent drummer, which would mean that George Harrison would have to have quickly learned how to play Paul's left-handed bass upside down, leaving John to play rhythm guitar on his own composition. No reply, take one. One, two, three, four, one. This happened once before, but I can't do your door.
a single take live studio demo of No Reply, the song which would eventually open the Beatles' fourth LP. Well, that's it for this episode. With filming and the new LP now complete, the Beatles would soon jet off on their tour of the Far East. Until next time, 